Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. This week on Hometown Ghost Stories. The Whispers estate earned its name after years of countless guests reporting to hear whispers from the spirits within the walls of this house. The shocking and gruesome deaths that happened on this property time after time have left their imprint on the town of Mitchell, Indiana, and have also left an unusually high amount of paranormal activity at this infamous estate. Join us as we explore the history of the Whispers estate in the town of Mitchell, Indiana. This is episode number 14 of Hometown Ghost Stories. The Legend of Sam Bass Born in Mitchell, Indiana, Sam Bass and his siblings were split up to live with relatives after the death of their parents. Sam resented his uncle at the time, feeling more like an employee than a family member, and he moved out at the age of 19. He made his way to St. Louis, then down the Mississippi River to a town called Rosedale, where he bought his first gun and learned to shoot. Sam was a popular and well-mannered young man, but was tired of hard work for little pay bouncing between jobs, working at sawmills and ranches. He made his way to San Antonio, Texas, where he began to make a living off of horse racing. But when his horse got too old to race, he and his partner Joel Mills took on a job to drive cattle up north to Black Hills. They sold the cattle, but decided not to return and keep the money for themselves, kicking off their new careers as outlaws. Their crime spree would begin with stagecoach robberies, eventually forming an outlaw gang, and moving on to robbing trains. The gang would quite literally strike gold on September 18th of 1877 when they hit the Union Pacific Railroad Gold Train in Big Springs, Nebraska. They would split $90,000 between the outlaws, equivalent to over $3 million today. It's rumored that after the train robbery, Sam returned home to Mitchell, Indiana to visit his uncle and make peace. He offered his uncle a large sum of money to repay him for raising him. The family refused the reward as news had now spread that Sam Bass was the infamous leader of an outlaw gang. They wanted nothing to do with the blood money, and they turned him away. Many believe that Sam Bass buried his fortune on the property, which is currently known as Spring Mill State Park. The gang would eventually make their way back to Texas, where Jim Murphy, one of Bass's gang members, would flip and turn informant, setting up the outlaws' final stand. On July 19, 1878, the Texas Rangers were waiting at the site of the gang's next robbery, at Round Rock, Texas. Sheriff A.W. Grimes approached the gang, asking them to surrender their sidearms. They shot him and killed him. An all-out gunfight ensued, and Sam Bass was mortally wounded. He died two days later on July 21, 1878, which happened to be his birthday. Back in Mitchell, Indiana, legend has it that the spirit of Sam Bass still haunts the Spring Mill State Park to this day. Visitors report sightings of apparitions and mysterious flashing lights. Sam's ghost is not the only spirit said to haunt the area. The ghost of a man who was murdered in the state park over a gambling debt has been reported to walk the area, wandering aimlessly, as if he's searching for something. Many believe that his ghost, along with many others, roam this park at night, searching for the legendary Sam Bass's buried fortune. I'm Jesse Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, Mitchell, Indiana. Whispers Estate. The Whispers Estate was built in 1894 and was purchased by Dr. John Gibbons in 1899. He moved in with his wife, Jessie, and their two adopted children, Rachel and Elizabeth. 
Dr. Gibbons saw patients inside of his home, with his office operating on the first floor of the house. He was a highly accredited doctor at the time and was well-known around town. He would operate his doctor's office inside the estate for the next 27 years, seeing patients, performing operations, treating diseases, and even amputating limbs. Shortly after moving into the house, tragedy would strike. Early on Christmas morning in 1912, 10-year-old Rachel, excited to get a sneak peek of her Christmas gifts, slipped out of bed and crept downstairs, careful not to wake her parents. She turned the corner through the parlor to try to get a glimpse of the presents under the Christmas tree when her nightgown brushed against a lit candle, setting herself and the room on fire. Dr. John did everything he could do to try to save her life, but two days later, Rachel died inside the house. Burn marks from the deadly fire still remain on the pocket door between the parlor and the dining room. The deaths in the house didn't stop there. The Gibbons' infant daughter, 10-month-old Elizabeth, died from unknown causes in the master bedroom shortly after. In May of 1934, John's wife Jessie would lose her battle with double pneumonia and pass away in the same bedroom as Elizabeth. The funeral was held inside the house. An insanity inquest was initiated against Dr. John after the death of his wife, stating that he was a danger to himself and others. It turns out that Dr. John's reputation around town was not all positive. Many avoided the doctor and warned others to stay away from the, quote, bad doctor. Neighborhood children were warned not to walk by the house, and they would cross the street when passing by on their way home from school. He was known as a womanizer by some, with sexual assault allegations that he had groped women during visits, and he was prone to violent outbursts. There were a number of claims in the 1937 insanity inquest that Dr. John would carry a gun around town and threaten to murder people, also threatening suicide while walking around town in his pajamas. There were claims that he would ramble on incoherently, it was also noted that he had lost feeling in one of his hands. During the inquest, the AMA came into his house, confiscated his equipment and his medical records, forcing him into retirement. The results of the inquest did clear him of insanity, sparing him from the mental institution, but the damage had been done. Dr. John's health continued to decline from a number of different ailments, and he died on July 6, 1944, at the age of 71. After the passing of the Gibbons family, strange deaths continued to plague the property. In the 1950s, a man died in the upstairs bathroom after slipping in the bathtub and breaking his neck. He laid in the bathroom for days in the hot July weather, suffering a slow, painful death before his body was discovered. A young boy also died in the house after falling down the front staircase. There have been a total of six confirmed deaths at the house, but the real number could be much higher because it's believed that many of Dr. Gibbons' patients likely died during surgery or from sickness inside the house. Today, the Whispers Estate ranks as the most haunted building in Indiana, and the Travel Channel ranks this house as the fourth most horrifying place in America. It earned the title Whispers Estate after countless visitors reported hearing disembodied voices whispering throughout the house. Violent poltergeist attacks have left guests with scratches, bites, and bruises. One investigator was even violently choked, causing the paranormal team to end their investigation early. The ghost of Rachel is one of the most active entities in the house. Guests have left toys and dolls for her, and multiple EVPs have been captured of her laughing, talking, and saying her name. She has also been heard singing in the house. Visitors have propped up beach balls on Rachel's bed and claim that she will knock them off, sometimes sending them flying across the room. The dolls of the room change location on their own, moving across the bed or being knocked to the floor. Her ghost is a friendly one, and most have a positive experience with her. One team claims that they left a doll for her, but the doll went missing at some point during the night. Three months later, during an investigation... The team was interrupted by a commotion on the second floor. They heard something tumbling down the stairs. They went to see what had fallen. Laying at the bottom of the staircase was the same doll that had gone missing months earlier. But the doll was not the same. Someone, or something, had set that doll on fire. The charred doll still remains in the room, giving you an eerie reminder of Rachel's gruesome and tragic death. Rachel's spirit isn't the only child ghost rumored to haunt the location. The ghost of a young boy named Virgil also remains at the Whispers estate. He's more elusive, very playful. Toy cars have been left out for him. If you roll one across the floor, he will sometimes roll it back to you. Occasionally, he'll send an entirely different toy car than the one that you sent to him. He's most active in the master bedroom closet, which was his favorite place to hide during hide-and-seek. The door to this closet has been known to open on its own. The doorknob will jiggle, slowly turn, and then the door will creep open. One guest claims that during the night, it happened five times. But something more sinister has been known to lurk in that closet as well. The last person reported to die in the house died in that closet. 
he returned to the house to grab a ladder and a hammer when he had a heart attack and died. Many believe that his spirit still lurks inside that closet and has been much more aggressive, banging on doors, throwing candles, and shaking beds. There have been multiple reports of a rake-like creature that will run in all fours, disappearing around corners inside the house. They say that it can't be an animal, it has long arms, short legs, and it uses its arms mostly to pull it across the floor. It has black eyes and a wide mouth. This creature lurks on the third floor and has been seen and heard running down the hallway. In the nursery, a ghostly figure with the body of a human and the face of a goat with horns wrapping around the back of its head has been spotted on multiple occasions by multiple people. One team captured footage where you can hear a loud bang. Their flashlights turn on and everyone in the room claims that the bed had levitated and then slammed on the floor, causing them to scream in panic. Shortly after, a woman spotted this ghostly creature running away from them down the hallway, dashing around a corner. What many believe to be the ghost of Dr. Gibbons has been spotted on the first floor of the house, where he held his medical practice. The first floor bathroom is most likely where he performed surgeries. The room has massive windows to provide natural light, it has floor tiles that matched other surgical rooms at the time, and has a wide drain in the middle of the floor. Guests have reported seeing a tall, dark shadow figure moving from the office to the bathroom. Some claim that this figure will move directly at you, slowly, changing the temperature in the room and the energy. The large shadow figure has been spotted so many times that it has been given the nickname Big Black. Loud, methodical footsteps have been captured on the first floor, where many of Dr. Gibbons' medical equipment still remains, including his lab coat, medicine bottles, files, old documents. Several paranormal teams have captured a figure standing by the doctor's old coat on their SLS cameras, and they capture cold spots on thermal equipment in the same area. In the backyard, it's said that there's a grave pit, where the doctor used to bury limbs and aborted fetuses. The third floor attic is said to be the most active area in the house, with nearly all visitors claiming that something evil lurks up there. In the seance room, investigators have used a table-tipping method to communicate with the dead, some having terrifying results, including having something evil grab the table, pulling it into the hallway. Other people claim that they've been attacked on the attic floor with violent scratches, and people have been hit hard in the chest. The new owners of this house keep records of every paranormal team that comes into this house. They allow them to write in a notebook with timestamps of what happened at what time in what room of the house. There's too many to list. Doors opening and closing on their own, beds shaking, people being scratched, knocking, footsteps, children's laughter, children singing, candles flying across the rooms, doorknobs shaking for three to five seconds straight, ghosts that are calling people by name. The chandelier violently shakes as if someone slapped it. There's been thunderous explosions causing the house to shake. This is the most haunted location in the state. The Whispers Estate, Mitchell, Indiana. people welcome in this is episode number 14 of hometown ghost stories i'm jesse wilkins i'm joined by dave wilkins and rob King, rob king coakley gentlemen how are you just just bob it man like just just feeling the music tonight just crushed it with this with the new songs thank you yeah i uh i worked considerably longer on the cowboy music in that like two minute intro than i worked on <laughs> the entire episode but yeah that's uh that's just what you deal with um but yeah that's uh that's mitchell indiana uh the story of sam bass which kind of took us back to san antonio which was uh which was a bit of a surprise for me so i started going down the road of uh dealing with that show i mean dealing with that um dealing with that story and sure enough there he is back in texas so i was like oh here we go back in san antonio again is this going to be your goal to just tie San Antonio into every single episode that we do or that you that you work on now? Just find a way to get back to it. 
it just goes to show how cool that city was. You know, a lot of history, a lot of history. So good old, uh, good old, old Wild West cowboy story. Kind of takes me back to what was it? Episode three? Was that the uh, no episode two? Was that a uh, Tombstone, Arizona? Tombstone, yeah. Yes, episode two. Oh, God, I don't even know anymore. Yeah, it was two. I'm acting like we have 3,000 episodes. Like, what did, we, <laughs> what did we do three weeks ago? <clears throat> yeah, so so that was uh, Mitchell and Indiana. I, I particularly love the uh, the story of um, of Sam Bass, and we'll, we'll start with that. But the um, <clears throat> so it, it's kind of it's kind of cool. So that that the area, the spring, uh, um, was it Spring Mills State Park. I'm forgetting the name of it right now. Anyways, the state park out there. It's uh, it's still got the original house that the um, I think it was the Seeks family. That was the family that took Sam Bass in. So his parents died. Uh, he moved in with his uncle, and uh, his uncle was you know kind of a you know hardworking guy and wasn't much of I don't know a fun loving uncle. You know he's more of like a you know just okay you're here you're working and you know he worked for his uncle. He felt like he was uh, you know we mentioned in the show that he was he felt like he was more of an employee than you know a nephew, and he kind of resented his uncle. Um, for that. And I, I read a few reports. Some say that he ran away. Uh, but at that time I, I read one that he was 17 run, you know, a few accounts that he was 19, but either way he was, you know, basically an adult when he, when he left town. Well, what I thought of when you were throwing out his age, whether it's 17 or 19, you might as well be 55 at that time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> No one gets to 55 at that it's time. The ripe old age of 19. <laughs> <laughs> Married with 14 kids. Yeah. yeah. That's- <laughs> That's pretty much what it was at the time. With 14 kids to his 13-year-old wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he started making his way uh, down towards Texas, you know, stopped in St. Louis, um, a couple other places, and was just kind of working odd jobs. He was working as, um, you know, working at different mills and, you know, being a farmhand and different ranches and, you know, doing some uh, some cowboy stuff. And he just, uh, you know, he just wasn't happy with it, so... Bought his first gun, learned to shoot. They still have his, uh, I believe his gun is in the Round Rock Museum, which uh, is where the final stand happened. Um, but, you know, learned to shoot there. And then um, met his partner, Joel. Uh, he had some cool nickname, too. I got to go back and figure out what that was. But uh, Joel had some some cool nickname. But anyway, so they uh, got a job. They were going to drive a bunch of cattle up north. And, you know, at that time, you'd get hired to drive cattle to someone else's farm and sell off the cattle or whatever. And then you come back with the money. They did that. They went up and they, they brought the cattle up there and they just decided uh, to keep the money and not return. And that's what kind of set things off. And then what was funny was I, I was telling Dave about this um, a couple of nights ago. I was like, Oh yeah, I'm doing like kind of a cowboy story. So I'm making the cowboy music for it. And Dave was like, Oh yeah. So, you know, what, what was he horse thief? I was like, actually, yes, <laughs> actually you're, you're spot on. You know, So it started with like, you know, started with the cows, but then it went to uh, stagecoach robberies, and um, from there they formed their outlaw gang and started uh, robbing trains. They hit a whole bunch of them. They were robbing banks too, uh, but their their real um, like legendary tale started when they hit that gold train, ninety thousand dollars. I guess that's equivalent to about three million dollars at the time. So this is where the story gets really interesting because after he hit that train, he went back north to uh, to Mitchell, Indiana where he wanted to make amends with the family and be like, Hey, listen, I understand you were kind of hard on me, but you know, we are family. And he, he made his way back up there and wanted to give him a hefty sum of money for raising him as a child. But by then news had spread news had spread that this man was an outlaw. You know, there was, I saw a thousand dollar reward, $2,500 reward all the way up to a $3,000 reward on his heads from the bounty posters. And, um, you know, dude's got around. He got back back home. They're like, "What the hell are you doing here?" No, we don't want your your blood money. Get the hell out of here. So, uh, it's reported that he buried a, a most of it in that state park. So, I guess kids from the neighborhood, you know, everyone that kind of hear hears the legend of Sam Bass, they they would go and just start digging in the state park and <laughs> try to find this man's buried fortune. Um, and uh, you know, nothing yet. But uh, but ne- you know. We already went over the story, but shootout happened. He ended up dying. Um, but, you know, there's supposed to be a residual haunting at the state park where uh, not only Sam Bass is there protecting his fortune or whatever, but there's also supposed to be, um, you know, the guy that died uh, over a gambling debt. So he's out there searching for the money. And then apparently a lot of his outlaw gang is also supposed to haunt the area. Everyone's kind of searching for that for that buried uh, buried fortune. 
So pretty, uh, pretty cool. A little bit of a different ghost story than the, the ones we've gone over the last few weeks. This one had kind of a more, uh, you know, more Red Dead Redemption kind of feel to it. I liked it. So all, all of these, uh, all of these ghosts of these outlaws are roaming around. It's like, I, I just need money. <laughs> <laughs> I have a plan. I have a plan. <laughs> That's good stuff. Uh, I enjoyed this episode. As long as you don't detour us through like Panama, then we're good. <laughs> red dead. It's a red dead joke. Oh, yeah. That was tough. That was a tough couple, uh, <sighs> tough couple levels there. Loved yeah. it. I left oh, every second of that game. Got my cool hat and guns. Um, Freddie says, if ghosts can go through walls, they should uh, keep that same energy and go through the ground and find that treasure. But what do they do when they find it? They're a ghost. They what are you going to do with it? Spend it on ghost things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Buy so, all that uh, legendary pirate equipment, Sea of Thieves. Exactly. So there's a lot of stuff in Indiana, but not that much in Mitchell, Indiana. So we have the state park. Um which we just went over. And then there is the whispers estate. So the whispers estate uh, we were just talking about, obviously uh, it's ranked up there as one of the, uh, one of the most haunted, one of the most haunted these- houses in America. Boom. You got it. <laughs> uh, no, actually one of the most in Indiana, but it did rank on the travel channel as one of the most terrifying places in America. So I, I saw a list that it's the fourth most, like somebody has it listed as the fourth most. I heard right. that also. Either I way, actually think, I think you said that Jesse. Uh, it was the fourth most, maybe, maybe it did. No, it was the fourth most terrifying. Terrifying is the key word there. Anyways, terrifying uh, because it's haunted, right? This where is, where are we going? That's, that's a parallel, I think. <laughs> I don't know. People might find like Six Flags terrifying, roller coasters, you know, they get scared. <laughs> it's a different kind of scary. It's terrifying. Anyways, um, these lists are obviously subjective and, you know, yeah, the Mick Pike they, they Mansion, the year. Whispers House, and Six Flags New England, the most <laughs> terrifying places on Earth. Hey, some guy died on the Superman roller coaster. That's why they changed the name of it for a little oh, while there. Tell right? my kids that I'll never get them on another roller coaster again. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. God. That's a good point. Uh, so this uh, this um, doctor here, either a serial killer or, like, best case scenario, just the worst doctor of all time. I would lean more on the side of he was just a bad doctor. I don't think he's a serial killer. Um, there's Do you, no proof the, that, um, but... you think he was a bad doctor? You think he was just a, um, a doctor of the product time. of his time might've been, I mean, there was a lot of people when they would come in with a disease that they haven't figured out yet. They're like, you have the sickness <laughs> yes. and, and you're just going <laughs> to die now. So it was, it wasn't like, you know, it's like, here, yeah, yeah. here are some drugs to ease your pain. For yeah. the next two weeks, but you're done. Like that's what they would do. So, but let's start with it. He had a, he had a burial pit outside, right? But, but I don't. Yes, but allegedly. and that was in the episode too. But allegedly, yeah. I mean, they did the ground penetrating radar, and they said there's some. There, it's supposed to be a burial. Uh, it's not like some sort of great pit. It's not no. a far fetched theory. You think if there's if there's a doctor and he's amputating limbs and performing whatever, you know miscarriages or whatever and whatnot what's he doing with the stuff there's no like biohazard bag that he puts it in and the right. so, truck rolls in so what it's really yeah. at the time you gotta put, sense the, you gotta put the stuff somewhere yeah, yeah he's not, not like all right i've amputated your arm here's your goodie bag take yeah. your arm home hang it up on the wall to get it taxidermied no like, like that's not what you do with those things yeah so he probably just tossed him in a, in a pit in the backyard that's that's very likely i just um, want to say before we get too far away from it that performing miscarriages sounds like the worst local rock band of all time <laughs> <laughs> i guess you wouldn't perform a miscarriage that would be an abortion but that you know what I mean. <laughs> so the other thing is at this time period i mean this is like uh early 1900s uh abortion was illegal so it and it, but it did happen, so it's very possible that he was doing it. It wasn't on his his price list. I, I uh, the picture of uh, Dr. Gibbons that I put up, it had actually his actual price list mm-hmm. of like you know what different services he offered, and they offered like everything. They weren't at doctors at this time. They didn't have a certain specialty. They weren't like um, you know just a neurosurgeon or like a pediatrician or whatever. They said that he most likely specialized as a pediatrician, but that may have just been his favorite thing to do. So. Um, or what he was best at, but there wasn't like specialty doctors. There wasn't a foot doctor. There wasn't a hand doctor. It was just, you go to the doctor in the town. So 
That was so that he uh, can diagnose you with the sickness. You have <laughs> the sickness. Yeah. Prescribe you to whiskey and send you on your way. <laughs> yeah. You basically you went to the doctor, you went to the barber, right? Because didn't the barber do a lot of like um Well, they were barber surgeons back in medieval right. time. I don't know if they I don't know if that's what just what they called. No, surgeons. that's what the that's what the barbershop symbol stood for. If it had the red, they would do oh, like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. certain um techniques as well. That's what I had no like. idea about this. So you go and you're like, yeah, I need to line up uh, and, and I want, an you, amputation. To, and I want yeah. you to cut off my penis. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, they, they did. But when um, I go in there and ask for that, they tell me not to come back. So yeah, this was well, just back in the day. Okay, this is different. Times yeah, have changed. Yeah. We don't do lineups. Get out of here. <laughs> uh, back in the good old days. So yeah, he performed all these different services, and yeah, just to um, put a cap on the the, the pit. So th- it's not confirmed; they haven't dug anything up. But there's uh, supposed to be a bunch of discarded limbs, apparently aborted fetuses, and maybe some dead bodies. But I feel like if you know anyone that probably died in the house from surgery or whatever, I would assume that they would be claimed by their family. But um, unless he was a serial killer, unless he was, serial, I'm was the only was. one with the serial killer theory. Don't look into it. Yeah, I'm the only but, one. I also haven't heard. But still, of- his family would still claim the families would still claim him because he'd be trying to make it look more like an accident. You would think if he was all right. Let's, yeah, let's just true. let's just let's move past serial killer. There's absolutely no one that claims this. However, there is except for Dave. So Until now one. we have one. <laughs> but the uh, <laughs> the um the one thing that I noticed, like a lot of these, a lot of the shows that I've watched on it, a lot of the stories that I've read, they kind of bypass the fact that he did have a shady reputation towards the end. Now, uh, he did have a very good reputation. There was a lot of like publications and articles that were written about him that were very positive. However, do you know who wrote most of these articles? Him. Him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he wrote <laughs> You need to see a good doctor. I got one for you. <laughs> this guy, yeah, like this, like. like anyways, <laughs> so uh, a lot of the positive publications that were now he might have been a, he might have been a good doctor, but it sounds it sounds like especially because of the insanity inquest that was launched against him, and all these different claims from around town because they had a bunch of written testimony from different people that had different stories about him about how this guy was losing his shit. It sounds like maybe he started to lose it towards the end. Yeah, it sounds now, not only like he that, started to go through what we now know as dementia and Alzheimer's, just based off the stuff that you said. Yeah, roaming it's around the very the basic gun, symptoms, threatening getting, to kill people while in his pajamas. Yeah, you know? getting getting more aggressive, and I mean, this is just everyday activity in Dorchester. <laughs> but anyways, the, uh, the so that was kind of what it sounded like to me. It sounded like it's kind of spiraled out of control. But I also want to go back to the fact that every single person died in this house, and he was unable to save any of them. I mean. Eh. Maybe he's not a great doctor. I don't know. Like, okay, daughter died from from burns. That's going to be a tough one to recover from. And there wasn't really a hospital. Yeah, you so think so? To figure that out. But she died two days later. Anyways, all right. So we'll give him a pass on that one. All right. Uh, <laughs> next daughter dies, 10 months old, completely unknown causes. I thought it was yeah. pneumonia. No, like, no, no. That was, was like wife. That was, yeah, yeah, that was his wife. Like so 93% died, of the other infants She died from pneumonia. And then I didn't get enough confirmed report, reports about it, but I read a few articles that said that there was a third child who died uh, of unknown causes inside the house that he had adopted. So they couldn't have kids of their own, so they had adopted all these kids. And so maybe this goes back to Dave's little serial killer idea. Maybe he's adopting these kids to kill them. But aren't there no official records of any of the kids existing? I'm Correct. not sure. Yeah. But that could also have been because they were adopted, I guess. Or it could have been because of when the census records were taken, which is what happened a lot, too. Um, Because I think censuses were every 10 years back then. So if maybe it might have been seven. I don't remember the exact years in between, but... Maybe he murdered them fast enough to not end up on the census. Yeah, so like if you're... There's people that aren't documented based off of just not being around during when the census was taken. Because the census obviously mattered more back then than it does now. Because of course, yeah. And then if, just to go back to the adoption thing, if they aren't being, if they aren't, there's no birth record, or there is a birth record, but it would not have been tied to them because of, you know, whatever whatever reason. Basically, we're talking about, you know, there's even conflicting reports or, on when they bought the house. Like if you look up, yeah. so one of the things I was looking at is like, 
It was like they either bought it in 1899 or 1901. There's different records. It's like, what are the different records? Why couldn't like it, sa- it sounds like great. from because I I read into this as well. It sounds like there might be some gray area on when they actually moved into the house. So I think they bought the house. Maybe they did some renovations on it. Then they moved into it two years that later. But I don't know. Like I said, this is the this is the issue with doing stories from so long ago. Is the store the records aren't solid. Uh, so they died in the house, and then there's two others, uh, three others actually that died in the house. So you had a guy who died in the bathtub in the 50s. Um, apparently, he fell, broke his neck, got discovered a few days later. I think this is when it was a bed and breakfast, or they were renting rooms in it. Imagine um, the spill in a bathtub you'd have to take to break your neck. How yeah. brutal. If you, if you slipped in the bathtub before, right? It sucks. But like, imagine slipping so hard that you actually break your neck. Yeah, usually you catch the shower curtain and just pull it down with you, and it's yeah. just a big, loud disaster, and then you just feel so stupid because, you know, everyone's banging on the Are you okay? Yes, I'm naked. Leave me alone. You know. But you'd have to, like, Charlie Brown slip feet over your head. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's, like, a bigger guy, and the bigger you are, the harder you fall. You know, and you think maybe, you know, it's one of those older, you know, uh, bathtub on the feet. What do they call I just, that? I just want you guys to keep working through your theories on how you kill yourself accidentally in the bathtub. <laughs> I so just, yeah, I just maybe it's something darker, you know. Mm-hmm. We'll get into the ghosts in a little bit, but the um, he slipped, fell, dropped the toaster by accident. <laughs> so he died, and then apparently it was a like a um, a young boy who fell down the staircase and uh, died. I heard also a broken neck. So everyone's breaking their neck. Seems to be the theme of like our last four shows in a row. I got a moth. I got a moth and I'm going to kill the moth. You guys talk amongst yourselves. Wow. First confirmed more. First confirmed murder <laughs> on hometown ghost stories. It's dead. <laughs> well, you just. Okay. Just sorry. So all yeah, the so- wind out of the sails for this show. <laughs> what do you mean? I just I performed the murder in the middle of the show. <laughs> Tell me to spice things up. I thought that would do the trick. Anyways, so um, so apparently a boy fell down the, the, the staircase and died as well. So uh, And then the final death was a guy. I'm not sure if he was one of the owners or not. Um, I tried to go back and find the story, but he had returned to the house. Either he was doing work on the house or he was an owner. Uh, he went back to go grab a, um, a ladder and a hammer, and he had a heart attack and died in the master bedroom closet. And um, his ghost is still supposed to haunt the place. So those are the... Uh, those are the confirmed deaths that's, inside the building. That's a lot of deaths. It's a lot of deaths, and the that's not. House. And then, and then, this isn't like a ho- like a hotel or like a hospital or something. This is like just a house. Yeah, close. To, I mean, doctor's office, but those aren't any of the confirmed deaths. Right. So, but that leads us to part number two: is we don't know how many people actually died in this house because how many people died during surgery? You would assume a lot. I mean, this Enough guy to fill a body pit. This guy can't even save his own family, never mind complete strangers that want surgery. So, uh, and, and mostly surgery probably took place in the bathroom. He had a big drain in the middle of the floor for blood and body fluids or whatever. Um, apparently, the floor ma- the floor tiles completely matched like regular surgical room floor tiles as well. It was like, and they're still there. It's, it's like white laced with like gold and blue or whatever. And uh, the big windows for like natural light. So they, they had assumed that, that that must be the room that he was doing surgery in, especially because of the drain that's in like the middle of the bathroom floor as opposed to in like the shower or whatever. So um, so we don't know how many people died in the house because of the question mark that may have happened from him being the worst doctor of all time. So there could have been a lot more. There's already a lot. There's already a lot and it could be much, much higher. And there could be a, a, an, an awful lot more. So – with the amount of death that's in this house, that gives a lot of, uh, you know, credence to the claims of, uh, of all the ghost and paranormal claims that people have seen. Um, and there are and a lot. There are a lot. But didn't they start, wasn't there a gap from when people lived in the house to when people started witnessing ghost experiences? Well, like all haunted houses, I believe it started when they started uh, renovating the place. So when would they start renovating it? I don't know the year. But that's right. that's when like the first reports started like happening. Like fairly recently. I mean, all of it start. I mean, we're talking about 1900, basically when they moved in, um, and only a, a few months later when people started dying in the house. And then, I mean, he performed his services inside for like it was like 27 years or something like that. So, um. They were in the house for a considerable amount of time, and then you had a couple more people die. 
And I feel like if it's these spirits from the desk that we talked about, then um, then things. I mean, I guess things could have ramped up after the first one, but well, he di- he died in the forties, right? The early forties is what you said. So they were in the house for at least forty years. The family, um, probably. Yeah, I would assume so. Yeah, he operated as a doctor, but maybe he lived. I mean, we know his kids didn't take it over because he killed them all. Yeah, (laughs) you're single one of them. (laughs) Oh man, Um, yeah. And then um, again, I don't want to conflate my stories, but I believe it turned into like a bed and breakfast for a bit. They rented out the rooms, and then um, the uh, new owners bought it. And now they do like paranormal investigations in there and everything like that. So let's start with the friendly ghost, and we'll get into some of the. some of the darker stories and some of the stories that, uh, that we're going to question here. So we have, uh, Rachel, Rachel's probably the most famous ghost at the house. Um, friendly ghost. And we talked about it in the episode, but you know, the people, they leave their beach balls up on the, uh, the ends of the bed. She knocks them over. She plays with the dolls. She moves the dolls. She, um, she's been, she'll, she'll hold your hand. She'll laugh. I know that's she'll run around. They talk to her. She always uses her own name. So from the EVPs and the spirit box sessions, uh, they would get that. And the, most of the activity from her happens in the room. So, I mean, who knows who, yeah, who it could no. be? It could, you know, it could be something pretending to be a little girl or whatever. Uh, they've also heard her singing. I think this was like the first real like uh, paranormal encounter that happened at the house was uh, one of the former owners was doing some work on the house and he heard, a little girl singing Ring Around the Rosie inside the house. So. That is, in fact, the first paranormal experience, according to what I read. Thank you, Dave. So we read, we read the same thing. Um, so uh, what a creepy song to hear, too. Just some little girl singing Ring Around the Rosie. It's a very macabre song. Mm. Yeah. It's about the Black Plague. I didn't know that. Yeah. Ring around yeah. The, they used to keep yeah. their pockets full of posy because their skin would be so rancid. That it would stink, so they'd have to keep like um, what do you call it? Potpourri in their pocket. pocket is that what posy is? I always wonder. Yeah, the and then when you die, they burn you, your body. So ashes, ashes, we all fall down. <clears throat> oh, pretty dark. Yeah, man, dark this is dark. <clears throat> yeah, I had no idea. All, all right. those like childhood songs have been like really dark. All of them. We, are we don't have just to get back into the rest like of them. Medieval, but... just horrible, horrible songs. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Rob. Um, just while we're on the topic of the the child ghost if one more one more of you assholes that buys one of these haunted houses puts a fucking annabelle doll <laughs> i'm 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 going to find you and i will next anim- and i will take you out <laughs> next annabelle doll we see at a location is getting body slammed <laughs> <laughs> we're going to rent we're going to rent your house just to beat the shit out of the doll the whole time and we'll film it oh we will pile drivers <laughs> Dude, I am so sick of seeing that doll at every... I, I really am, dude. I really am. The uh, uh, the plague was thought to be caused by foul odors, hence the posies and flowers, says uh, says Volpe. Uh, they were probably wrong about that. I mean, I, mean I, I, I guess if it's airborne, maybe, you know, foul odors. I don't know if these... Yeah. I mean, they used to think all sorts of crazy shit. They used to think that you could like bleed out like a disease. Like if you had a disease, they'd just cut you open and let you just bleed, and the disease would fall out. Yeah, wrong. it would. But you wouldn't. It wouldn't rid you of the disease, but it would infect everybody else around you. <laughs> yeah, it's probably, did, it's probably did more harm than uh, than good. Anyway, so uh, so Rachel, yeah, she she's been caught singing, and then um, we'll get into the second Rachel story on the part of things that I think might be complete horseshit later. So uh, there there has a I've I've, I've heard EVPs of her laughing in the house. I've heard EVPs of her singing, and this is like really creepy shit. Like, I, I do think that her ghost haunts the place. Uh, it's it's um, it, it's there's a lot of evidence for it. And then um, with EV, yeah, the, like the, the the beach ball thing too. There's some footage of like some dolls moving and stuff. So, and then there was uh, there was one story from um one person who said that they had put like they had gone to the house and they had brought their kid and they put their kid down to sleep in Rachel's room. And the story from the kid was that like every time she would wake up, there would be one doll just right in front of her face. 
like just kind of upright looking at her and she's like, oh, get this thing away from me. And then, she, you know, she, she kind of dozed off a little bit and then boom, dolls like right in front of her face. Again. Like the thing just kind of like kept coming back, just looking right at her. So some creepy stories for I sure. Know, that would I, stress me out. I don't know if I, I should be like, oh, Dude. stupid dog, get out of my face. Like just dolls gonna... are the worst. This is the absolute. <laughs> so not to take over, but do you remember in my grandparents' house, the room that we heard the ghost start walking from, like that small bedroom on the end? Yep. So when I came up during the summers to stay here, that was the room I would stay in. And my grandmother had all these fucking porcelain dolls in that room. And I would I just lay down. The, I remember seeing a few of them in the attic. Yeah. And I would just be <clears> laying <throat> in that bed just. <sighs> and then there was one particular one that I hated that was a manic. It was just the head of this porcelain doll head that was just meant to like hold hats. And... um one day I'm upstairs, but I'm in the bathroom and I still get shit for this till this day. And we just heard a smash. And I don't remember. I don't know. I've never told you guys this story. We hear a smash and we go into that room and that mannequin doll is on the ground broken. And like everyone came upstairs. They go, why'd you break that thing? We know you hated it. I'm like, dude, I didn't do that. And, and so now <laughs> you're never going to believe me. <laughs> I still get shit to this day that I broke it. And I was the only one upstairs and I didn't touch that thing. I feel like there should be like a statute of limitations to these things where it's like, if you're still denying it, like 15, 20 years later, like at some point they got to believe you. Like I still tell, we'll move on from this. Cause this isn't a horror story at all, but I still might tell my mother about this story when I was in high school where uh, I had accidentally swore, which just sounds bananas, but like uh, it, it, and they suspended me for it. Cause the principal happened to be in the office. I mean, in the, in the art room when I said it, and they pulled it out of the office and spent me. I was like, I, I didn't mean to say it. I didn't mean to say it. Didn't mean to say it. And like, like, and then my mother didn't believe me whatsoever. And to this day, I'm like, hey, Ma, remember when I got suspended for like saying a swear? Like I said, whore by accidentally. I meant to say horizontal, but I was reading the word slow because I was stupid. I go, whore. And then they suspended me. Anyways, this is not a scary story, but to this day, she still doesn't believe me. I'm like, I swear, to, I swear to God, I didn't mean to say it. I was just reading the word slow because I was stupid. <laughs> Why would I continue to lie about this? I yeah, like it's, it's so much later. Yeah, yeah she still doesn't believe me. So I, I believe you that you're still getting crap for that uh for that porcelain doll story. Hey, you know, a, a ghost breaking a porcelain doll and you just not being able to read. They're the same same <laughs> thing, really. Both are just as terrifying. <laughs> Both are just as terrifying. And look at me now. I still can't read. <laughs> so anyways, moving on. Um so we were talking about Rachel. So then there's the other child ghost. This is the other uh, friendly ghost in the house, which is supposed to be the ghost of uh, the other boy, the one that fell down the stairs and died. Um, and people play cards with them. They roll the cards back and forth. There isn't too much about him. I guess his favorite place to hide is his was his favorite place to hide in life, which was the master bedroom closet. I'm pretty sure it's the master bedroom, but one of the closets over there, he hides there. But there's also supposed to be like a much darker spirit that lurks inside that closet. Which uh, which was, and I had told the story of the girl getting choked during a paranormal investigation. That was the closet that she got choked in. So they think that this evil entity is using the child ghost to lure people into the closet so he can choke them or some shit, you know. And uh, people have gotten scratched in there. People have also gotten bitten, which is uh, a new one. I, I don't think I've heard of other cases, paranormal poltergeist stuff where people have gotten bitten by a ghost. But that's a new one for me anyways. I can't think of one off the top of my head. Mm. It's a pretty good one. Definitely scratched. Yeah, scratches are super common. Also, probably the easiest injury to fake if you think that people are faking it. Um, it's just as easy to scratch a thick of scratches as a bite, I guess. Wait till we talk about the Velisca house in a few weeks. Fake an axe wound. Oh, way to spoil it, dude. Anyways. It's not a spoiler. Uh, <laughs> It's a big, that's a giant spoiler. I can't think of a bigger spoiler than that. Anyways, so we'll... fucking Dave, fucking Dave. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a that's, that's, that, that's on the line of of Jesse telling us that people get tuberculosis and Red Dead just to bring it all back. I Not to pile on. I thought I messed up on a side quest. All right. I thought I messed up on a side quest. I was like, I was like, listen, you guys, I got tuberculosis. You might not. Just don't bump into this guy. You might quest. not. <laughs> I thought it was just like like part of the thing. I thought I was going to get better. Spoiler alert: You don't. <laughs> Grace oh came my god! Grace came I'm glad we talked about Red Dead a couple times on this episode. It's very good. Very good. Um, 
David, you know, we'd like Gordon. to spoil. We can go edit out my spoiler, but I don't. I still don't no, see how it's a spoiler. It's all right. It's a teaser. We'll call it a teaser. Oh, is it? No. Is that what it is? It's a teaser. That's right. That's right. All right. Uh, before so next, next week, we're talking about Jack the Ripper. Spoiler alert: He stabs some people. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> he stabbed people. <laughs> so uh, on the first floor, you have because uh, I want to get to the attic last because the attic is supposed to be the most haunted place in the house. But the, uh, uh, the Dave, first. Do you want to jump in and spoil this story that Jesse's about to tell? Or? It is not spoiling to tell. Never mind. Fucking stupid. Spoiler alert, there's a ghost in it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so the first so the first floor you have the uh this is uh you know the doctor's office. We talked about the bathroom. That was most likely the surgical room. Uh people have spotted a giant black shadow figure. And this one is uh uh supposed to be more malevolent. Um been known to open and slam doors. Uh, you know, the usual stuff, but they give him a nickname. It's Big Black. Um, not the most creative nickname. I, I think this one rivals Mr. Boots as least creative nickname. <laughs> Big Black Shadow is Big Black, and the guy who wears boots is Mr. Boots. We can do better. We can do better. But the uh, spoil, spoils very toast, Dave, is what Kato called you in the comments. The, um, Even worse than the um, than the uh, the Mister whatever Mister Black whatever Mister Big what is it? What are you Mr. doing Roots. right now? Is this a Mr. bit? <laughs> no, the other one. The, the, the never mind. Big Black, right? That... Ba- yeah, Big Black. I would argue that it. is is the the ghost in the attic that they just called the attic ghost. <laughs> is that the... get, there was there was another one? I didn't get to hear about one. that one. I think I like that name better. At least it's just. Yeah. <laughs> Like, At least it doesn't sound the, a little racist. You know? This one's <laughs> called the Attic Ghost. Yeah, I don't know. The uh, but yeah, you have Big Black, who's the ghost. It was probably the ghost of the Doctor. That's what a lot of people assume. But he moves around the uh, the bottom floor and uh, changes temperature. People say there's a change of energy. Slams doors, moves objects. Uh, there's been multiple reports on the SLS cameras of like a figure standing right next to the coat. And uh, I'd like to see these images because I've noticed with the SLS cameras, and we have one is it picks up on the shape of people in the coat is because it's on a coat hanger. It's kind of the shape of a person. So I'm wondering if they're just, if the, if the camera is just picking up on the shape of the coat, mm. which can happen. Um, like I see these posts in these like paranormal groups of all the time of the SLS camera, picking up a figure on a doll. I'm like, yeah, it's because it's the shape of a small human. That's its job is to pick up the shape of humans. You know? And so, um, I don't know if there's much validity to it. I've seen a lot of articles that have debunked the authenticity of SLS cameras as a whole. And um, so I wonder, but if it's next to it, then that, that to me is interesting. Um, If it's on the coat, then I think it's probably just picking up the shape of the coat. So could be debunked, might not, but that's the, uh, that's the first floor. And then um, the third floor we had talked about in the episode, the door, I mean, the second floor, we had talked about the, uh, the doors opening and closing. Uh, it mostly happens in the master bedroom and the, the master bedroom closet, which uh, we had talked about a little bit earlier with the two ghosts in it, the child ghost and the older ghost. But that door, I guess, will just pop open all the time. And there was uh, one lady who was standing there that said it happened five times before. She's like, I right, screwed him out. And um, I've, seen, I've seen some videos on it where they, they, they test it to make sure that it's not a door, door that will just open on its own. There's no wind in the house. Um, but it, it, you legitimately have to turn the doorknob and pull it to, to have it pop open. They've had it happen quite a few times. So <clears throat> let's get to the third floor. So the third floor uh, with the the attic ghost, the infamous attic ghost. That's the name of it. Yeah. Um, I thought you were, I thought you were going to tell me more about it, but that's fine. I'll, I'll I just know that it's called the attic ghost, and I, I it, it's in my memory because I thought that was amusing. Oh, I thought you were looking at something, reading about the attic ghost. That's okay. Oh no. Yeah, so they have like a seance tool up there. They have the Ouija boards. They have um, the table tipping method, which is something I've never seen before. You guys ever seen Ghost Investigations use a table tipping method? No, but I feel like it's similar to the pendulum thing we did at the Conjuring House. Yeah, it, maybe like a cross between that and like an actual Ouija board because people put their hands on this little table and they ask it questions and then it can go one way or another. But there was one particular story where they said the, the table just straight up got pulled out of the room into the hallway um, <laughs> by the um, the goat demon. So pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Was that the people that got possessed? No, that's a whole different one. We'll talk about that in a minute. But there, there was another one. Um, 
which there's actually really cool footage. I didn't want to rip the video because I didn't want to get in trouble. But the uh, if you look it up, I, I don't remember which one it was, but there was uh, this footage of um, the bed lifted up and you can't really see it because it's dark but as soon as it slams you can hear it and everyone turns on their flashlights and people freak out and then you hear something run down the hallway and they say it was the rake which um is not like a, a rake that you use to clean up leaves there's a, a evil ghost Thanks which was that which is that well i had no idea and then i'm recording the podcast i'm like and it's it was a rake like ghost. I'm like, am I saying this? Because I can't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I'm doing the podcast. I'm like, and it was a rake like ghost. And I'm like, if people think this ghost looks like a rake, I'm going to sound stupid as shit. <laughs> and then I looked into it. I was like, okay, so it's a thing. It's like that one would think. That, yeah. um, like, I've been trying to say wraith. A pretty poor drawing that I put in there. But it, I, I think that, that was a joke. <laughs> I enjoyed the joke. drawing very much. <laughs> um, but yeah, it has like the really long arms, like demon face, um, really short legs. Um, it did something like this in the photo. Yeah, it's basically Tommy Fahey. But, the, uh, <laughs> but that's the uh, that was the rake. So, so this thing has been spotted on on a whole bunch of occasions. The goat, the goat demon with the goat face thing, I think has only been spotted a couple times, but by different paranormal groups. This rake feature, the creature, has been spotted a lot of times, and they say it's definitely not an animal. It's like a something otherworldly, and it it's super fast and it uses like its arms to like pull it. And, uh, I'd like to, I'd like to take a look at that. I'd like to get a look at that. <laughs> I'd like to see that. So, uh, that's, that's that one. I, I read a bunch of reports on like a whole bunch of like creatures and demons there. And you read so much, you start to wonder, you start to wonder about which ones are legitimate and which ones are just someone trying to make up a crazier story than the next person. So, uh, the only footage that I've seen, and we'll talk about this one now, I've been waiting all episode to talk about it, that I can say was the most laughable thing I've ever seen was the possession video that happened inside the house. And uh, That was I, the stupidest I, fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. I, I said to you guys, I was like, if you want to laugh, this is, this is pretty bad. The rest it, of the episodes... It, it blows my mind that people try and pull this shit off and pass it off as authentic. It, like, it was the worst acting I've ever seen. It was I loved so every minute stupid. Of it. I was. I mean, it was a. It was a great time. It felt like I was watching <laughs> Ghost Adventures. But it was so stupid. It was much. It was. It was. It was so much worse. Yeah. They, uh, if you have time, go check it out. Just Google. Uh, Google whispers estate possession. And it's got a whole bunch of views and um, not enough negative comments because the. I mean, the rest of the episode was done really well. Actually, like, like they had you know good history on the house and um, a lot of good interviews. But who they lost me there. So you had the the guy, the smiley guy, really happy guy wearing like the yeah. head equipment. I don't remember what it was. And he's just, it's, oh God, I can't even recap it. He's just sitting there just cheesing in the chair with this head equipment on. Just, and they're like, oh God, he's possessed. And he's, Robert reminded me of that guy at the, um, at the haunted house there. And uh, was up in uh, Nashua. Or, was it not Nashua? Where the hell were we? So, <laughs> Witches Woods? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> your worst nightmare. Welcome to your worst nightmare. Uh, You're about <laughs> to have the scariest time of your life. So just uh just a You haven't been wicked scared, dude. <laughs> just to let everyone else in on this joke, we walk into this haunted house and there's this five foot two overweight guy in clown makeup that would rather be anywhere else rather than wasn't he sitting? Yeah. And he was sitting hunched over and he just looks up and he just goes, Welcome to your worst nightmare. And like the worst <laughs> Boston accent ever. <laughs> and we all laughed as hard as we could. Yeah. Was, <laughs> yeah. Neshoba Valley, not Nashua. That's what it was. Yeah. 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 So welcome to your worst nightmare. But what's in your hat? What's in your hat? <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah. So, so at the same time that you had like Mr. Smiley on the, with the headgear on, you had this other guy who goes into like a toddler tantrum while using a Ouija board in this lady. And I watched it back a couple of times. I'm, I'm starting to realize I'm like, this guy is just acting like a, a bratty child. And she's like, you have to say goodbye. He goes, I never say goodbye. And just flips over, like Vin I, Diesel I can, or something. I can, like. I, I can relate to that though. Like that, that was the most realistic part to me. Well, yeah, that's you leaving parties early. It's not you dealing with a, 
Like this is supposed to be a paranormal investigator who's supposed to be taken seriously with these things. And you think just... I won't Irish goodbye a ghost? <laughs> you won't ghost as, this ghost. As as, as, as a professional para, uh, phasmophobia player, I do not believe that you would turn off the Ouija board without saying goodbye. All right, you've learned your lesson. <laughs> you've he learned would, your lesson. Leave. You just leave all of us in the building. We're going to be in an investigation one night, like this big ass place. Like we're going to be investigating, like a. Like a prison, and I'm just gonna leave you guys. That is a promise. I am just gonna. You walk pretty out. much did at the Conjuring House, anyways. That's true. No, that's you not did, true. You did say goodbye, but you wouldn't even stick around for the group photo. You're like, oh wait, let's take a group photo. You're like, ah, took too long. Boom, Rob's gone. Like, <laughs> right, he's still he's still pulling the Irish goodbye, and that's why in the opening of this, our brand new fancy little intro, Rob's not in the Conjuring House picture. Dave told me to leave. I did tell him to leave, but Dave I was, was joking. drunk. He said, just leave. And I said, okay, don't have to yeah, tell me yeah, twice. Yeah. That's all you got to say to Rob. He's already getting ready to leave our next appointment just because we talked about this. <laughs> Anyways, that was the, uh, that was the Mitchell. Um, that was not the Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah. Mitchell, the Indiana. Whispers. Mitchell, Indiana, the Whispers estate. Yeah. You guys um, want to quickly talk about a, a paranormal investigator who possibly found some shit that could debunk every single ghost story that happened at this place? No, I want to continue to have a podcast. Oh, oh right. just at this place. Okay, I thought you meant like all ghost stories in general. <laughs> no, this place. Um, and now this is just one guy's account. Uh, right. One one thing that he found that could potentially uh, discredit every ghost story that was told about the Whispers house. Uh, this guy named Chris Weber. He was uh, recently a guest on the Hillbilly Horror podcast. Um, and he had a buddy named Kenny Biddle who went to the house back in 2010 to spend a weekend there along with several other ghost hunters. And he basically, what he wanted to do was he wanted to take the claims of um, the, the original claim of the girl singing ring around the Rosie and see if he could debunk it. So what he did was he sang it into a voice recorder and took it into the basement and found some, found the vents uh, like the air duct vents and played it through the air duct vent to see if his other teammates could hear it upstairs and they did confirm that they could see it, uh, hear it. So he did some digging, and he found um, a little stereo speaker in the crawl space near an air v- air vent that would have been taped there. And there was a, he followed the wire, and he went followed the wire, and that led all the way into a little workshop area uh, that had some various disassembled electronic equipment, and one of them was a CD player. So he went further and researched. Uh, he went back after and researched all the claims of uh, what people were hearing. And it was all the same claim. They're all hearing ring around the rosy um, and um, like mama, mama and stuff like that, um, which in science, that's repeatability, repeatability. You think that's a good thing. You know, we have a set of data and it's repeated over and over again. That's, you know, that's evidence to prove that it's consistent. But if you add in the stereo speaker that he found, uh, the workshop with the CD player and all the claims of being the same phrases over and over, um, basically he drew the, drew the conclusion that since this was, the original claim that it seems like it was set up two things number one oh this was just a podcast i'd be interested to see like his website or if i got it right here in front videos. of me it's um does, so so let me let me ask you on that website does he have like photo evidence of the wires and the speakers in the the, the room that he found he has a He's got a picture right here. It's the speaker I found in the basement under the staircase and vent. And it's the picture is of the the speaker, but it's it's clearly on a bathroom sink. So we had taken it down to take the picture. Um, and that's it for pictures. Yeah. So I mean it's it's take it for what it's worth. You know, it's a good <laughs> so this, one guy's claim. Yeah, this but, this could be two things. Number one is this might be him trying to get clout off of quote unquote debunking. Now, any investigator that found this stuff would not Touch uh, no like like not talking paranormal investigator. I'm talking like crime scene investigator. Anyone who is trying to to actually prove their case would have taken the photos as is. Boom! Yeah. I see a microphone in a vent. Okay, boom! Here's a picture of the wire. Here's a video of me following the wire. Here's the control room that he found with all this this equipment. He should have taken photos of everything to validate his claims. Second option, he's correct. And maybe this is like uh, another case of like the house playing into it and just trying to rile up more stories and it's good for business, right? Completely possible, completely possible. And we've we've said it with many locations before. We don't have to go over it again, the Conjuring House, Salem, et cetera, where these, ho- these locations will 
we'll play it up and dress it up. We talked about the animal Annabelle dolls and how sick of them we are. And we will continue to talk about it because I'm it's, sick of it. It's sick of it. Yeah. I'm sick for it. At the I end of the day, at the end of the day, it's a business. And if it's gonna if it's gonna make more money, they're gonna do it. Right. So maybe that is possible. However, what that doesn't debunk is the first case, which is the guy who went into the house. Um I'm pretty sure he had owned the place and his claim was that he heard someone saying he had no, he wasn't turning the place into a, a paranormal investigation location. He was just, he was just trying to fix the place into like a bed and breakfast or whatever and mm. rent out the rooms. So it wasn't like he had no financial gain to saying that he heard someone saying. So that's a good point. That's a good point. The original one. Um, so could, so like I'm sl- down, I'm down to two things here and I would like to see more into it and I'll let you go in a second. But my two things are either, this guy is bullshit because he he's going to go ahead and make this this claim that he found all this stuff. And maybe maybe there are photos out there that he took of it. I would like to look more into it, like more photos, like like legit photos of like this control room that he found and the wires and the speakers and everything like that. Um, or, or option option B is that um, so option one is he's bullshitting or option two is is maybe it's maybe it's legit. But I still don't think that debunks the first story. And I don't think it debunks everything else in the house. People seeing, you know, people seeing. Well, like if you take so let's let's doors just, opening let's and just, closing, chandelier. So that that debunks voices that are heard in the house. The whispers. Let's just assume that the first, the first person who heard this thing heard it through a recording. Which now that you bring it up, doesn't make sense because the first thing, the first person who heard it was the guy renovating the house, right? Mm-hmm. So why would the speaker be there to fake out a guy renovating a house? Right. I guess I guess the only way that that would make sense is if that guy did think he heard he heard it, and then whoever took the house over took that story and ran with it and was like, "We're gonna make this." That's what I'm saying. So, so if this guy is, yeah. Have you read any of the reviews on the house, like of people that have stayed there? I listened to a podcast where the guy read a bunch of the reviews. So very mixed. So it's a very mixed review, which I you know is good um, for two reasons. There shouldn't be paranormal activity every single night. Mm-hmm. So you shouldn't be getting evidence every single night that you go in there. Um, but there are people who see stuff. The flip side of that is there was one group that claimed that while they were there, <clears throat> they heard something downstairs and they found one of the staff members had snuck back into the house and was lurking around the, the basement. And when confronted was like, Oh, um, I was just coming to make sure everything was okay with you guys. And it's like, Mm. Yeah, seems like we're seen, kind of trying to set some shit up. We've seen that before. We chose not to talk about it on the Conjuring episode, but I'm going to talk about it right now. Is that there was one member of the people that were running the operation down there that was doing some bullshit, and we immediately called him out, like, "Dude, cut, cut the shit! No, no, no! We want to get legitimate stuff here. Like, mm, get yeah. the fuck out of here!" And he did. So, and then he cut it out. So it was fine. Um, but that 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 was like brutally obvious. Like, I'm just I, he was just trying to scare me. But I was in the basement. He comes over, just bangs on the wall. I'm like. I'm like, dude, come on. Yeah. That's yeah. Come on. That's not like, cut the shit. Like, like, we're actually trying to film some legitimate stuff here. Like, I, I don't, I, I'm not in a haunted house. I don't need you to tell me that this is your worst nightmare. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> this house is scary enough as it is. You don't need to do that. So, yeah. But just real I'm, quick, back to this. So, if, 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 let's just say that the first guy said he heard some stuff, then the house sold and the, the homeowners took that and ran, stuck the speaker down there. Uh, and then the first claim of somebody else hearing it is what sparked all the other ghosts. Like if you take away that first initial claim, there are no further ghost stories. This remains not, this remains a house that is not haunted. You know what I mean? If you take away the first paranormal experience, which is the singing. That, the, that might take away some of the lore to it. It might, it might take away some. No, like my the, point is if you take away the, so if you take away the first claim, that this is a haunted house, nobody knows this house is haunted. Nobody considers this a haunted house. Nobody sure. investigates it. Yeah. But, you know? but they did. And they found much more stuff than just the stuff that he's saying is faked. So that's where I'm saying that, like, okay, sure. If word didn't get around that the place was haunted, people wouldn't go investigate. But they have investigated, and they found much more stuff. Stuff right. that's on camera, st- EVPs that are uh, not just singing or stuff that could be played off a recorder. It, it's clearly that there's there's a lot going on there. But I, I, I do keep an open mind to these things, and I think maybe, you know, it, it could be. Just a lot of you know people getting in their own heads, and and if there's a history, a closed mind. But I know what you mean. <laughs> so some, something they do at this house that I like and don't like, and I'll talk about 
some of this more in a couple of weeks, but that journal that they put out there is both good and bad because it's nice to see people documenting their experiences and, you know, time stamping it and saying what happened when, mm-hmm. but if you walk in there and you start reading about what everybody else saw and stuff, that might that lead might, you to yeah lead you to think you're gonna like you're you are head again. Yeah, yeah. So so it's good. I think, but I do think it's awesome that they're that they're you know able to put all their experiences in one place. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying like. Could be good and bad. No, you're absolutely right. So, yeah. so it's going to put some ideas into people's heads. But I think that overall, and I'd love to go there, and um, I'm not opposed to it. But the just from the overwhelming amount of evidence, I mean, you got to sift out that there's going to be a lot of bullshit in there too. But just the overwhelming amount of evidence, I think this place is definitely haunted. I, I, th- I think it's definitely got a lot of validity to it. But it does raise some serious question marks with what you said, Dave. But I'm going to need to see some actual evidence. And if this guy didn't take footage of all those things that he said he found, then he's either really bad at his job or he's bullshitting. So it um, could be some bullshit on both ends. Who knows? Could be. You know, this is just the field that we're in. So anyways, anything else you guys want to touch on? No. What are we getting into next week, Dave? Uh, next week. You just want to tell us the whole episode since you like spoiling everything? <laughs> yeah. The next next week is the Viacas haunting in Madrid, Spain. All right. And the Powerball is... numbers for Tuesday? <laughs> that, yeah. We've got to tune into Rob's episode. Right. Powerball numbers. Um, yeah. Viacas haunting, Spain. Very, very, very insane story. Cool. Looking forward to it. All right. So, uh, and then do we have a game plan after that? Yeah, I got the Velisca Axe House murders. The Velisca what? Yeah, I'm, dude, I'm, I'm out of it. <laughs> Dave, you want to give us any more info on that one? Or? Yeah, you just want to tell that whole story too. <laughs> are you, are you reading that book that I told you to read? Yeah, yet? the book's really good. I'm like, yeah. uh, halfway through it. Um, yeah, if people want to do some, uh, reading along with me and Dave, we are reading The Man on the Train for the Velisca episode. And it's a really freaking interesting book. It doesn't really, really really well written. Yeah. It doesn't deal with the hauntings at all, but it gives you like an overall snapshot of what happened that night and not just that night, but other stuff that probably happened from the same person that committed it. Nice. Looking forward to it. And we have, uh, we have set in stone. Well, sort of. Uh, our next actual live investigation. We'll bring you guys more info on, on that as it develops, but a few weeks away. Very excited to uh, get back in the field and uh, get some more live investigation stuff for you guys, and we'll give you more details on that in the future. Uh, make sure you guys drop a sub on YouTube, uh, please. More subscribers, the better. Uh, Facebook, thank you guys. So many new Facebook members. So thank you guys all for liking the page, and uh, we appreciate the growth. And we're also on TikTok now, so look us up on hit TikTok. Dave, what's the TikTok handle? Is it just Hometown Growth Stories? Yep. Yep, Dave's pretty much managing that TikTok account. So check us out there. And um, um, whatever whatever you listen to or watch us on, we really much appreciate it. But if you could just take the two seconds to give us a review, tell us that you like us, that would be very, very helpful. And we would very much appreciate it. Yeah. Maybe we'll even the, uh, uh, read uh, the reviews live. Could do that. Fun. Yeah, that would be fun. fun. So uh, a lot of growth on the uh, podcast version. So audio listeners, audio listeners, listen up. We put a lot of work into these videos. So if you if your preferred method of listening to this content is audio, at some point, swing on over to YouTube and check it out. I promise you won't be disappointed. Anyways, that was episode number 14 of Hometown Ghost Stories. That was uh, Mitchell, Indiana, The Whispers Estate, and the legendary story of Sam Bass and my epic cowboy music. I appreciate you guys for swinging by the stream. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you. Thank you.